there, listeners of The Forecast with Harry Enten. Yes, it is I, Harry Enten. You know, I, I just had so much fun popping in your podcast feeds last week that I decided, hey, I got nothing better to do. Let's do it once again. Well, last week we covered Bernie Sanders and his entrance into the 2020 race. This week we're going to cover the potential candidacy of Better O'Rourke, who, according to Dallas Morning News, is not going to be running for the United States Senate and therefore looks quite likely to throw his hat into the 2020 presidential ring. O'Rourke is going to make his candidacy about a number of things, but I would assume one of them would be selling Democrats on his potential electability. You, of course, remember that O'Rourke came within three percentage points of defeating Senator Ted Cruz in the great state of Texas, which was closer than any Democratic candidate came in Texas since Lloyd Benson won the state all the way back in 1988. But the question is, is O'Rourke really more electable than the average Democrat? Well, if you were to look back over the span of the decade that is the 2010s, you might say, yeah. Remember, Mitt Romney easily defeated Barack Obama in the state back in 2012, despite losing by four percentage points nationwide. You might recall that Ted Cruz easily won his first term in the United States Senate that same year back in 2012. And then back in 2014, incumbent Governor Greg Abbott easily defeated his Democratic rival. But I think that taking this long view of Texas may be missing the point. In fact, it seems to me that over the past few years, since Donald Trump entered electoral politics, that Texas has undergone a bit of a transformation. And when you look at Texas through the political lens of the past few years, you might see that Better O'Rourke's electability claims might not be as strong as you might otherwise think. One of the best ways to understand where the state of Texas currently stands is by looking at the races just in 2018. Yes, Better O'Rourke came within three points of defeating Ted Cruz, but take a look at some of the other races that occurred statewide. It is true that Greg Abbott easily won re-election by double digits to the governorship, but look at the attorney general's race and the lieutenant governor's races. In both of those races, the Democratic candidates came within four and five percentage points of defeating their Republican rivals. That was the best that anyone had done statewide in Texas in about 20 years, according to the Texas Tribune. We can also take a look at how Democrats did in federal races in the state of Texas. Yes, beyond just the Senate race, we can look at how Democrats did in the House races. When we take a look at how the average Democrat did statewide in Texas in the House races, we see they lost by about six percentage points, taking into account uncontested races. That means that Better O'Rourke outperformed the average federal Democratic candidate by just three percentage points in Texas. That's a little better than average, but really not all that much so. Or, of course, we can look at how O'Rourke did relative to Clinton. We see that O'Rourke outperformed Clinton by six percentage points. That's good and all, but remember, 2018 was a much better Democratic year than 2016 was. If you look at all the Senate candidates running nationwide, specifically those that were running against Republican incumbents, they too, on average, outperformed Clinton's margin by about six percentage points. So again, we don't really see that O'Rourke is doing that much better than average. Finally, we can look at how the average Democratic candidate compared to Donald Trump standing in each state. What we see is that in Texas, in the exit poll, Donald Trump's net approval rating, that is his approval rating minus his disapproval rating, stood at zero percentage points. If we were to translate that into how we'd expect each Democratic candidate to do, we would think that on average with a zero point net approval rating, O'Rourke would have been tied with Cruz. But of course, he lost by about three percentage points. That's not so surprising given that O'Rourke was running against a Republican incumbent, but it's about, on average, how Democratic candidates did nationwide for the United States Senate when they were running against Republican incumbents. 
when you put all those numbers together, you really find that, yeah, maybe it'll work as a little bit better than the average Democrat in Texas, but not overwhelmingly so. Indeed, if you had any doubt to O'Rourke's electability claims, you can look at the latest Quinnipiac poll from the state. Quinnipiac looked at a potential 2020 presidential matchup and looked at how Trump fared against O'Rourke, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, and a slew of different Democratic candidates. Among those who had at least 70 percent name recognition, the average margin that Trump led the average Democratic candidate by was one point. O'Rourke was trailing Trump in Texas by, you guessed it, one point. When you put it all together, it seems to me that much of O'Rourke's fortunes in 2018 had to do with the fact that he was running in a year in which Donald Trump was an unusually unpopular Republican as viewed by Texas voters. It had less to do with O'Rourke as an individual. Now, this isn't to say that O'Rourke isn't a little bit more electable than the average Democrat in Texas, but I wouldn't say it's overwhelming. I would say he's probably a little bit better. So if Democrats are looking to nominate the most electable Democrat, I would argue that there are plenty more candidates that fit that mold better than O'Rourke. For instance, you could look at Amy Klobuchar in Minnesota, who vastly outperformed the Democratic lean in that state by double digits in 2018, something she also did in 2012 and even in 2006. For me, if you're going to nominate O'Rourke, there have to be better arguments to be made for him than just the fact that he is more electable and might be able to carry electoral votes that the average Democrat wouldn't. Well, folks, it looks like I'm out of time, but you know what I say? I say there's just enough time for some Wendy's, and that's where I'm heading next. This has been The Forecast with Harry Enten. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.